This week, Cortana is dead. Netflix is bringing games to the TV. Chat GPT is crawling the web. And Disney is raising prices again. It's Sunday, August 13th, 2023, and this is episode 652 of F5 Live, Refreshing Technology, a proud part of the Tech Podcast Network. If it's tech, it's here. Wherever you are and however you're accessing our show, uh, whether it be on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, or threads, through our live streaming services, livestream.com, Twitch, our new friend to kick, or YouTube, where you can join the community and get ad-free episodes of F5 Live and Pilch Point, or on our website, plugkidslive.com. Thank you for making us a part of your day. There are two ways that you can do this. The first is Sunday nights, 9 p.m. Eastern. You can go to f5live.tv slash join us. There you can chat with us in the studio. Give us your feedback on the topics as we talk about them. Give us some topics to talk about at the end of the show as well. If you're not able to join us live, that's okay. Uh, Plugkidslive.com slash subscribe. Uh, there you'll see all of our shows, including F5 Live, Pilch Point, Plug Hits Live Presents, and a whole lot more. And of course, you'll find all the ways to watch, listen, and follow along. Well, it's been a couple of weeks, Avram. It's good to be back. Yeah, it's good to be back. To be back chatting about this, about some cool stuff. And in some cases, some not so cool, so cool stuff, but we'll get into that in a little bit. Uh like uh, yes. like you like to say, uh, I think it applies here. We're not in the business of uh, of good. We're in the business of interesting, and sometimes bad stories are interesting as yeah. well. So, uh, yes, because yes, exactly. because they affect because they're going to affect consumers in one way or another, and that's uh, that's what we do here. So, yeah, uh, I mean things that are. I love stuff that doesn't work. I love security breaches and you know defective products and stuff like that because if everything worked as advertised then you know great you know then uh, i guess everyone was totally honest everything worked as advertised there was never a flaw in any product or anything there'd be no news you know right. it would just be pr but um but fortunately there are Things things go wrong. I mean, uh, we're not officially going to talk about it, although uh, we could have. There have been three different major CPU vulnerabilities identified in the last two weeks: um, two for AMD and one for Intel. Uh, yeah, not not so been a that, great couple of weeks. You know, uh, on products that have been out for a very long for a long time. Yeah. Um, so, you know, lots of, lots of broken stuff, the, um, for sure. But what's not broken, I got to go to the coolest thing uh, today with my son. We went to the, a retro gaming festival uh, convention here at nice. my house. And uh, they really had a ton of stuff that you could pl- actually play. Like, nice. it wasn't. One of those things where like, yeah, yeah, so we're going to talk about retro games and you can buy 
some stuff from a vendor and good luck to you. Like they mm-hmm. had like this whole museum they had rented out and like it was just loaded with old consoles. Nice. Every single one of them you could actually have a game on it you could play. They had like arc- like two different rooms full of arcade machines you could play. Uh, you know, I got to play. Um, I got, to, I mean, they had one room that was almost all like Japanese arcade games and then they had um, arcade machines and they had another that was like mostly like, you know, games that are familiar to Americans. So I got to play centipede on a real centipede machine nice got to play um got to play original space invaders i got to play original pong uh on an original pong uh arcade machine nice got to play um yeah it was all got to play defender uh donkey kong like awesome stuff all, all just tons of old consoles, old play the original Atari, 20, 5200, 7800. They had um, the only one that you couldn't play with that they had like under glass or whatever was the Magnavox, the original, you know, Magnavox console, yep. the, the first console. But, and then they had this room that was like, all these consoles that I never heard of that I think may have not come out in the United States, like the MSX. And then there was one that was like by Toshiba, by Toshiba that had a sure. keyboard. That was a keyboard uh, that I never heard of. And then this was my favorite. I know this is really make, and even this was, I ne- I didn't have one of these because I was too, I think, young for it. But they had the Atari Ultra Pong, Ultra Pong console. Okay. They ha- there's, a, did you know, you probably knew this, there's a bunch of consoles that Atari came out with before the 2600 that were pong, just Pong, right? And yes. so they had this one that had like 12 different Pong games on it called the Ultra Pong. And like, this is different than the original Pong where the, the dials were built in, the Ultra Pong, they were like detachable. Man. Those controllers are so good. Mm-hmm. Like the little, it has. I don't think like the paddle on them has the quality of the paddle. It just was never replicated again. Yeah. Like just the dial on it, whatever, is so, so tight. You know, so yeah. good. Unlike you know, like the little paddles that Atari Twenty Six Hundred had or something like that. Yeah, that yeah. was that was fantastic. But I mean, have you played even, one of those? I have not in a very long time, but yes, um, mm-hmm. we had one. Believe it or not, at the church, I it was like just in a room in the youth center. I think it had been abandoned and lost to time. <laughs> and uh, uh, a couple of friends and I found it. And we're like, "Oh, what is this?" And yeah, had had some fun with it. And they then also all that had stuff room- disappeared at some point. Yeah, now it's worth money, right? Because they yeah. had all these vendors selling things for hundreds of, I mean, you know, not thousands, but like hundreds of dollars for old, like, you know, you want a GameCube, it's like 250 bucks. You want yeah. a... More than it was when it was new. Yeah, right? Uh, you want a, you know, a Game Boy or whatever, 200 bucks. Um, and 
and, and it's just uh, like wild how much that stuff was was worth is yeah. worth now uh, and they have they all and and it was, so it was cool we got to play with lots that stuff they even had a section a lot of sections that were old PCs okay. and old PC games or they even had one where they had like an Apple II and like an IBM PC nice. like you could play on Tandy although the Tandys weren't turned on my original computer, the TI-99 4A, they had one. Um, so it could have been, like, almost could have been like a computer history museum as well. Yeah. But everything everything you could actually sit and play, um, including, like, lots of, like, 80s and 90s PC games. So they had, like, you know, you could play Doom and you right. could play, uh, you know, Half-Life or whatever. You could... They had, I mean, um, two... To be fair, Doom is a bad example because that is no, the yes, game. No, yes, you can play that a lot today. That is the game that is used to uh, hack new hardware. You can play it on right. the okay. on the the touch bar on the MacBox. <laughs> right. Okay. So I should I should note that these were all on like old, obviously old PCs like a Compaq or something yeah. like that. Um, and I'm saying Doom because that. That like really rings a bell with me, but they had yeah. other stuff that was sure. the same, same you know age. Uh, so, oh, oh yeah, they had a whole section of like five PCs that were pl- just playing Oregon Trail. Sure. Just, just Oregon, just a whole section of just Oregon Trail. Sure. And an- another whole whole section just for people playing flight sims, and sure. a whole other yeah. section just for people playing racing games. And a whole other section just for people playing my personal favorite, Light Gun Alley, playing Light Gun games. Although those were, those were on consoles. Um, so, a bunch of a whole section for people who want to play Pokemon games. Like, yeah, it was, it was, un, it was unbelievable. Oh, and a whole section for homebrews too. People like showing their homebrews and stuff like that. That's cool. They had a, they had a, they had this thing. I guess a service where you could make your own homebrew and then. Like pay to have it put onto a cartridge for like Nintendo or N sixty four or whatever nice. it was. They'd they actually make a cartridge free. I mean, not there while you waited, but they, I think they were trying to sell you that service. Um, so that's just, a cool idea. Just like they had some bands playing video game music uh, live. It was that's like a good idea. Costume contest, costume contest presentations my son and i end up in a presentation this is just really weird about like it said i think this is this is very correct advertising for it but it wasn't cool in my view my son loved it though surprisingly they said we're going to unravel the mystery behind a secret piece of nintendo hardware that never came out so we go to the theater to see to the theater part to see this do you know what the secret piece of nintendo hardware is that never came out the word unravel probably should have been a clue, but I didn't know, know this ever happened. It was a Nintendo knitting machine. Sure. That never came out. Have sure. you heard of this? Sure. No. They. I mean, in Nintendo. Nintendo is a much weirder company than people than most people know. They started by yeah. making like regular poker cards in like 
1911. No, no, no. This is for the NES. But this is but a I mean, Nintendo. But, yeah. But what I'm saying is, they're a way weirder company yeah. than people give them credit for. Yeah. So yeah, a knitting machine, sure. It it never actually came out, but apparently, this these two people spent a lot of time trying to research the history of this thing that never came out, but was shown at CES in 1986 or 87 or something, and it's apparently a knitting machine that. What didn't really connect to your Nintendo, but there was a game that you used that would sort of like help you plan to make a Mario sweater. And then I guess it was supposed to like help you keep track while you use the knitting machine. They never came out with it though, but they spent an hour talking about all the research they did into this thing that never came out, looking at patents from Japanese companies and all kinds of stuff. Okay. The- the uh, controller clips into the machine. Oh, you're looking at it now? I'm yeah. looking at an article on Adafruit. <laughs> oh. Anyway. So, I hadn't heard of this before, but I guess other people have. Um, I was more interested in the stuff that they talked about at the beginning, where they said there, there was almost a keyboard for the NES. There was almost like a keyboard that you could use for music, and another keyboard you could use for programming. And they had a robot for the... I didn't even realize NES had a robot. But uh, I guess most people knew that. Um, so, anyway. Sorry, we could uh, they, pick up on more later. But... they, The marketing for it legitimately says, now you're knitting with power. Yes, that's the picture they were showing. Now you're knitting with power. It's apparently the only <laughs> picture. For, yes, yes. I see it. I see this image everywhere and nothing else. So this must have been the only printed material from CES. That, that, and that is. was the end of it. No, they actually have a picture of someone using it at CES. Oh, yeah? So there's one other picture. Okay. Yeah. Well, this is the one all the articles are using. <laughs> yes. Yes. So anyway. Wild. There you have there you have it. Now you're knitting now you're knitting with power. But not knitting a power glove, apparently. Um <laughs> Uh, oh, uh, no power. I didn't see any power. To be fair, I didn't see any power gloves there either. No, they are stupid expensive. I did not. I didn't see anyone using one. I didn't see anyone selling one. Uh, I didn't see any, uh, you know, being shown. Did not see any uh, power glove. Uh, yeah. Nor did I actually. The other thing I didn't see, which I was really hoping to see, although I know this isn't probably like a standout in gaming was a Coleco Atom. I kind of wanted to, I've always wanted to kind of see a Coleco Atom. Uh, yeah. This. Um, uh, ju- just as a note, there's one on eBay right now for 700 bucks. I mean, I, I just but want to see all... it. I don't know. No, 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 no. <laughs> uh, um, the power glove. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, the... Anyway. There's also one on here for eleven thousand dollars. I wonder what the difference is. Anyway, <laughs> works. There's a lot in the hundred to hundred and fifty range, but I saw one at seven hundred and then one at ten thousand. Hmm. Yep. <laughs> something must be different about that one. It was kissed by Mario or something. I don't know. Uh, yes. Um, I'm actually working on an event similar-ish. Um, with Strike, we're going to do a, um, a recycled gaming event. We're working with a company, you know, you've, you've talked about, you know, 
places to donate old electronics and stuff. One of the organizations we work with takes all electronics but focuses on computers, and he doesn't really have a whole lot to do with the consoles. So we're going to take and do a recycled gaming event uh, with him. So, so obviously with wow. that, it'll all be older stuff. We don't know what it'll be yet, but uh, should be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to that one. I'm going to close yeah. up the Nintendo knitting machine. <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness. So, I guess my point is there was a lot of excitement about uh retro games and it was it was fun yeah sounds like it sounds like a like a fun event um and you've given me some ideas for ours which i appreciate uh (laughs) um anyway we've got a lot of stuff to talk about because we've been gone for a while uh so let's get down to that as a reminder if you were joining us on facebook or twitter it is time to move over to twitch Facebook or Kick. Um, look for Plunkets Live on any of those platforms, or you can go to f5live.tv slash join us. Um, and uh, we'll be live over there if you're listening later, obviously. Uh, you can find us in lots of places. And here we go. This week's Nifty Gifties on F5 Live Refreshing Technology is proudly powered by the Microsoft Store. Whether you're looking for a new laptop, tablet, Xbox, games, or a whole lot more, you can get them at the Microsoft Store. Remember, current students, faculty, parents, and active military can save up to 10% off almost everything. To browse the products and learn more about the discounts, you can go to f5live.tv Microsoft. Unfortunately, it's time to bring in the coroner because Cortana is dead. Um, Microsoft officially turned off support for the Cortana standalone uh, application in Windows 11 this week. Uh, If you did not update your application and you went and typed in a question or spoke a question, you would get back uh, the same response for all questions. Uh, and it said Cortana and Windows as a standalone app is dis, uh, depreciated. I'm sorry, deprecated. Select the link below to learn more. If you did go and do the update, um, after the update, all you would get is the interaction box was gone, a message in the middle of the screen. Cortana and Windows as a standalone app is deprecated. Uh, that is it. That is the last uh, piece of Cortana really out there at this point was the app in Windows 11. Um, When it got started, it was on Windows Phone. Windows Phone is now gone. Uh, It moved into uh, the Xbox, but that was rolled back uh, a couple of years ago. It was put into devices, the Harman Kardon Invoke, um, the Johnson Controls Glass. Both of those have had removed it years ago, uh, 2019, maybe 2018. Um, and this was kind of the last place that she was and now she is not. So, um, that on its own is disappointing. Um, because there's a lot that they could have done with it, especially now that they're doing the whole Bing chat thing as a separate thing. If that had been the underlying power behind 
like a renovated Cortana, I bet people would have loved it. But, you know, whatever. Um, no more hearing Jen from anywhere. No more songs. No more uh, the Cortana eye turning into the ring when she did a Gollum impre- impersonation or anything like that. Um, all gone. Makes me sad. Um, I have had lots of things with Cortana uh, integrated, including the Harmon Carden Invoke, the Johnson Controls Glass, Windows Phone, Windows 8, 10, and 11. So um, I was a big supporter. Unfortunately, uh, current CEO Satya Nadala was not. Um, but this is something that Microsoft is famous for. Right, Abram? Like, having a toy, getting people excited about it, and then just moving on to the next thing. Listen, Listen, let's not call that a unique feature of of Microsoft. Oh, for sure. All the time, too. There's a whole Uh, website about Google's graveyard. Yeah, I'm hoping that some more things go to Google's graveyard, too. Um, So... um, (laughs) The, um, so, yeah, I think, look, it, I think you make a good point about the AI. What's really interesting that, that we're not seeing with the AI is that you, and maybe it's just like the speed of the processing power necessary to make this happen, but you're not really seeing the voice, uh, the text is like the voice part be linked up with the text chat even though it seems so logical that that is what you would do um agreed i think it's it's just i think it's just a matter of like the response time but i'm not even really sure why why that would be a problem because there's so much ai that is does really good text-to-speech right um so for sure they could very easily have it talk to you uh if they wanted to it's the whole thing is very interesting when you think about it because they're not really they're anthropomorphizing and they're not anthropomorphizing at the same time with the Bing chat mm-hmm. uh, right because it'll talk to you from the first person as will right. chat GPT as will uh, Google's uh, AI's SGE and, and Bard We'll all talk to you with I. I did this. I said that. I think I do this. Whatever. For better or worse. But they don't have a, but they don't have a name, right? Right. They don't. They don't have a name. So it's well. I guess Bard has a name, but nobody is like, "Hi, Bard. Hi, I'm Bard." You know, like they, yeah. they don't. They don't do that, right? It's, it's, it's interesting, right? Because now things that have a name are seen as old fashioned. Uh, you know, Alexa is probably like, oh, that's old fashioned now. That, that division, that division has lost a ton of money and might be on the chopping block. Right. So, I mean, my hope is that we, you know, from I'm just gonna opine from here the, my, from the chat real quick. Uh, Cortana is joining all the Xbox Live games that are no longer supported. Yeah. Well, that's true. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I hope that, I mean, what we saw with those could very well be what we see with the, the current uh, 
generative AI trend, which is, oh, it seemed so cool because it seemed lifelike at the beginning. And then you started to actually realize that this isn't how you want to interact with your computer. Right. Um, and uh, I think, you know, I think that happened a lot with things like Cortana now. Yeah. Granted, I'm, you know, I hate to say power user, but like, I don't like stuff that's cute that gets, I mean, cute is fine, but I don't like stuff that gets in my way in order to be cute. Yeah. Right. I, I, I will uh, never forget uh, one summer when I was in, in college, I had a, well, yeah, I think this when I was in college, I, a friend of mine, his father ran some type of IT programming IT service company or something. And he's like, Hey, we'll hire you for the summer to help us with the project. I said, oh, what's the project? Well, there's this new thing that came out from Microsoft called Microsoft Bob. And God. what we want is for you to help us research Microsoft Bob and find out how we can use this to help our clients or whatever. So I spent like two or three days looking at Microsoft Bob and I was like, I don't know what else I can tell you guys. It's, it's not very useful. It's okay for people who don't know what they're doing, but it's actually more of a hindrance than a help right but it looks cute for people who don't know what they're doing so mm -hmm. cortana and uh alexa and and other natural language interfaces uh kind of have that feel to them also where it's like oh okay it was cute that i could ask you all these things and maybe i'll still do it sometimes but the number one thing i'm just going to do is ask you to turn on the lights uh -huh. right and and now we have ChatGPT and we have Bing Chat and we have Google stuff. And I mean, obviously it can do a lot more in terms of uh, doing work that we think of as creative. Uh, it's not really creative, but we can think of it as such if we want. Nice. Um, and the, uh, and, you know, I think the fad behind those is already to some extent starting to fade because the amount of traffic on on uh on chat gpt uh, dropped i mean yeah you could you know you can use them to, to to fake your way through through a writing assignment or something mm -hmm. but um and maybe people will continue to use them for that kind of thing but it's it's not like the the whatever the the good use of it is not as you know is not as good as people think and like shoving right. it in your face i i think the thing is the 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 status says first we shove this we think we're so smart that we shove this in everyone's face and microsoft shoved cortana in people's face like crazy yeah. for example every time was this with windows 11 install or just windows yes. 10 install 11. when it said a little Wi-Fi here, a little whatever there, like it would start talking to you while yeah. you're. That is the. I'm sure Hi. you know that that is like the world's most annoying thing. Hi, I'm Cortana. Let's help. Let me help you get your computer set up. <sighs> like, like right. So that's oriented again toward people who don't know what they're doing, <laughs> right? Because 
because after the first time that you heard that, or even the even the first time that I heard that, but certainly the fiftieth time, I'm like, oh, yeah, I can't believe this. Especially because I forgot to turn the sound off, and now uh-huh. I'm embarrassed by this because I'm installing something in my office with, and people start to hear it. Like, why did you do this to me, Microsoft? This was not. Nobody wants this. This is yeah. no good. And so, what, and that's exactly at this point what they're doing with with this whole bing ai thing or viva or whatever name ends up overseeing this integration um but it's all the bing chat ai in the background um they're like okay well we're gonna prototype this here we're gonna let people use it oh some people like it all right well it's gonna be everywhere no 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 shh hold on don't Cortana this. Don't put it in everybody's face so quick. Do it in its thing. Get it worked out and then find out. Do do studies. Find out where people might find it useful. Don't just all of a sudden have it show up in Skype for whatever reason. Just cool off. Hold on. Give us a minute to ingest this thing and figure out if we care and if we do how we care because because you know like you said that that's what they did with cortana it was like okay we're going to test it on windows phone okay some people like it on windows phone fantastic well let's make devices whoop hold on yes i was very excited about those devices because i enjoy jen's voice that's (laughs) that's a very different thing though They go full bore yeah. on these on these like internal toy initiatives before they quite understand if people care and if they do how and why. So, right. So the thing is we are in the middle of a very dangerous hype cycle right now around artificial intelligence and we can get to that in another segment or whatever. Yeah. So Cortana was sort of a prior hype cycle, right? It was like, oh, yeah, we're in the hype cycle around these voice assistants now. ChatGPT showed up. Everybody thought it was, you know, the coolest thing they'd seen. And now we're in the middle of an incredible hype cycle where it has to be in everything. My guess is that we haven't yet seen companies like figure out how they're going to treat this to give this a name or whatever to name there's like it's chat gpt it's not some some name but um maybe because the named ones are considered last gen or something but i wouldn't be surprised at all if they do eventually end up giving it a name and more of a personality and but it won't be cortana because it's sort of like Internet Explorer and Edge, right? Was Edge really, did they need to rename it Edge? Could they have just kept it Internet Explorer and just changed, redesigned it as they redesigned IE like five times or 10 yeah. times? They could have, but I guess they thought the name IE was had bad associations. Yeah. So we better uh, we better rename this thing. The so browser I think that's everyone loves to hate. Right. So, you know, they watched Edge and, you know, Edge 
you know, people like Edge better, but is it really because Edge, is it really just because, hey, we, you know, we could have just kept, if they kept the name IE, they probably would have a lesser reception, right? Because mm -hmm. it just certainly. had a bad reputation. So I think and Cortana, people are, well... People got turned off to Cortana, not because of, because some people invested in it, right? Developers invested in the technology because you could build skills for it, just like you can Alexa or Siri. And so developers got screwed during the shutdowns. Hardware got screwed. Johnson Controls. I bet Johnson Controls will never work with Microsoft again <laughs> after Glass. Um, and, and you know, Harman Kardon was pretty, pretty pissed off uh, with the Invoke, uh, both with sales and... And then later the the shutdown out from under them. But then consumers who did invest in those ecosystems and the Microsoft pulled the the rug out from under them got pissed off too. Me, for example, um, you know, I I mean I still have two glass thermostats. I just can't talk to them anymore, even though they've got a microphone and a, and a wake word. They could have easily. Uh, you know, done a firmware update and put Alexa or Google Home in there, but they didn't. Which, you know, had its own, like, weird thing, right? There's all this stuff that went around that we talked, sometimes there's a brand that can't be rehabilitated. Only fans. What it is today is not what it was intended to be. They wanted to remove all of that from the platform, and you and I both said, don't think it can be done. That's the death of the platform. They gotta change the name. Because there's no way they survive it. I think it's the same thing here. They've got to change the name. It can't be Cortana anymore because the the brand has already been damaged. So, yep. And yep. it's it's a shame because I'd love to continue to have Jen's voice all around me like I used to. She's a fantastic voice actor. <laughs> and it never it never did anything to hurt anyone. You know, it's not like you know it did something harmful. It just Mm -hmm. There just wasn't enough, as much commitment to it as there was to Alexa, yeah, and and Siri and, and others. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, Apple seems to have all but abandoned Siri, and uh, Amazon seems to have cut about half the Alexa team. So I don't know how much commitment there is in that arena at all right now. Um, you know, we had the topic about Siri a couple months ago, and. Um, during the last round of layoffs, the Alexa team got hit real hard. Um, so there may not be commitment around any of this because Amazon put out a, uh, a study on Alexa that shows exactly what you said. People use it for um, uh, the weather and triggering things that are external. That's it. That's all people use it for. I have a, I have an, I have an Echo Show, um, in my kitchen, one of the big ones, and I use it as a Fire TV because it was a nice, cheap, small kitchen television. Yeah, I mean, it's not, it's not useless. I mean, also for making calls or getting sure. a check-in on someone is, yeah, is sure. a decent use case. Uh, I think what it's proven is that voice, a voice interface. Uh, I mean, there's there's question about the text interface for this, but a voice interface is just inherently limited, right? Yeah. Like people Even think in Star that Trek. they've seen Star Trek. 
Yeah. But ev- even in Star Trek, only like 2% of the interaction with the computer is via voice. It's for little things, like the turbo lift. And, but for real stuff, they're at computer panels. They're tapping on things to get information yeah. back. Yeah, it's too. It's not. It's not the best interface, because it's just. It's not the best interface. People think that it is, but it's not. I, yeah. I, I, I think we may have talked about this previously, but there was some type of thing where they had, um, like, inter- UI designers talk about the Star Trek UIs and whether they're good or not. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that they talked about was that the the voice UI is actually is actually not as good as people think because people like studies have shown people like menus and choices mm-hmm. and you have to know exactly what you want and say exactly what you want. Yeah. Perfectly right. Uh, to get, to get True. what you need from a voice interface. True. Yeah. You've got to have the two choices are you have to know exactly what you want or you have to deal with one of those phone trees and people don't like either of those. Right. So, so, yeah, makes sense. Um, so, farewell, Cortana. Um, hopefully, Jen, we will hear your voice in a future game. Because <laughs> I will definitely uh, miss that voice. Except, of course, when installing Windows 11. Because, you know, that's all pre-recorded stuff. So we'll see what happens there. This week's Pilch Point with Abram Pilch is proudly powered by PureVPN. The best way to protect your privacy online is with PureVPN. You can hide your online activities, say goodbye to regional restrictions, and improve your streaming quality. Plus, it's available for almost all of your devices. You can get a special price and a 31-day money-back guarantee right now by going to pilchpoint.live slash purevpn. All right, Avram. We're gonna we're gonna go right to the core of of uh, technology tonight, right? Yes. So let's talk about the biggest scientific event or non-event uh, of the summer, uh, which is the development, excitement, and testing around LK ninety nine. What is LK99? LK99 is a substance that has been synthesized and published about by Korean researchers, specifically uh, Lee Sukbai and Kim Ji-hoon. That's the L and the K in LK99. Lee Kim, I think they say when researching this since 1999, that's where it becomes LK99. Anyway, that is supposed to be a room temperature superconductor. Well, that if such a if a room temperature superconductor was discovered, it would be tremendous. Uh, so take a step back. Uh, a lot of people probably don't know what a superconductor is. And uh, to be honest, I didn't know a lot about superconductors before the last couple of weeks, and I probably still don't know enough about superconductors. But we've been talking about this a lot at Tom's Hardware. So a superconductor is a material that can conduct electricity with no 
resistance, uh, unlike, say, everything else. And superconductors do exist today, but you, in order for them to work, they have to be extremely cold. So, you know, we're talking like, you know, 200 degrees uh, below Celsius or with extreme pressure or they, they have to have extreme conditions put on the material for it to be, to act as a superconductor, uh, like, you know, freezing it with liquid nitrogen or something. And uh, that's nice, but if you could have something that uh, required no, uh, you know, extra pressure put on, extra, temp, temp, you know, freezing temperature, uh, then you'd really have something because a super, a superconductor uh, can uh, basically doesn't lose is a, is a hundred percent efficient, right? When your your elect electricity is moving through most substances, a lot of it is lost to heat, uh, a lot of it. Uh, so there's great inefficiency, which wastes energy. Uh, if you have uh, computer chips, you know that a lot of the uh, a lot of the electrical activity comes off as heat. And you need all these coolers to, you know, prevent the material from, say, melting or, or breaking with your CPU. Um, if your CPU could be made out of a superconductor, then you could just imagine that you know, would you even need cooling at all? You would you would certainly have a lot more efficiency, much faster computing. You would be able to do crazy supercomputing uh, on you know, ridiculous amounts of processing on, you know, a computer in your house, right? It, the amount of computing power that you would get. Uh, you would also ha have the ability to have electrical grids where the distribution of electricity was much, much, much more efficient because the, all of that, the electricity that's lost on the way from the, uh, you know, from the power plant to your house uh, wouldn't be lost if it was traveling over superconductors. Uh, a lot of other things that kind of do uh, require superconductors is an MRI machine requires superconductors. So, uh, but they have to be super cooled. Uh, with one of these, you could make a much better MRI machine. Maybe you'd be able to see things a lot better, diagnose things better, help people better. That would be fan a fantastic breakthrough. It's been a, a holy grail of physics. So, uh, these guys, these scientists, uh, Lee and Kim, uh, and published a paper saying, hey, we've, we've formulated this substance, LK99, and at room temperature, it, it's a superconductor. But there, it was not peer, their study was not peer reviewed, and they didn't provide certain key details, and there was a lot of skepticism. But they did provide some uh, directions about how to make your own LK99. So what happened? A whole lot of people on the internet, including other university researchers, went out and tried to replicate their findings. And we got some very interesting stuff, uh, but we also got a lot that said that they couldn't replicate the findings. No one has completely replicated the findings. There have been some who use computer simulations that said, hey, this should work. But uh, in, real, in real life, no one has been able to replicate the findings. What we did get, though, and I'll share my screen to show some of this, because we've done some, oops, we've done some interesting uh, stories about this on Tom's Hardware, is, so, uh, so for example, we, uh, 
a lot of people posted videos, particularly there were a lot of researchers in China publishing videos to Bilibili, which is like Chinese YouTube. And you can see in the videos this little black speck, and the little black speck is supposed to be like the LK99, and you can see that it's sort of levitating, uh, like they're poking at it, right? But it's sort of levitating over this magnet. Um, and the thought there is that a superconductor um, has some, a property called diamagnetism, which means that it actually repels magnetic um, fields. So a superconductor can float uh, above a magnetic surface. However, uh, it's important to note that diamagnetism could happen without it being a superconductor, uh, and it could happen, and there are other ways to have magnetic levitation that are not diamagnetism. So, so there's some question about whether what these folks are seeing here actually proves that this is a superconductor. Uh, there was another Chinese university that claimed that they got it to uh, superconduct at, uh, you know, sub-zero, you know, temperatures, so not at room temperature, but others have said uh, they weren't even able to reproduce that. Uh, but a lot of people are still working on this. There are some who are going to actually get samples from the Korean lab, so that may give them some, um, you know, more insight to get it, because one of the questions is, did everyone who synthesized it synthesize it exactly the same way? as the original Korean lab did, because it's it can, it's hard to make. Well, I guess it's easy to, it doesn't work, it's not expensive to make, but I guess there's some randomness involved in it. Um, there also was an incident where uh, someone who posted a video, not one of the two I showed you, a different video of a magnetic levitation came out and said that uh, this, this wasn't LK99 or this wasn't, correct and this was a fraud and they had to take their video down uh similarly uh, a couple of new studies say that it's actually uh, a ferromagnet not diomagnet not showing diamagnetism in other words it's just a repulsive magnetic field um and uh you know and there also is uh a theory out there that uh by the way i think these pictures came from Shutterstock, and I think that they are not actually okay. These are illustrative, we said. Um, but um, there's a theory that doping it, meaning adding some more materials to it, could lead to it being a superconductor. But so far, nobody has has actually seen it get there in the real world, apart from the original authors who. Uh, whose work has been called into question. But this has been a huge thing. There's been a huge thing going on on, on uh, Twitter, or you want to call it X, um, talking about the different studies. There have been a lot of people trying to reproduce them. There's been, uh, you know, all these videos on Billy Billy. There have been other ones besides these uh, trying to show levitation, uh, all kinds of crazy stuff, all about this LK99 because people really are hungry for hey wouldn't it be wouldn't it be great if you had a room temperature superconductor and uh this is one of the first things i've seen where you have people just all around the world people in 
laboratories at different universities, people in, uh, you know, their kitchens with a kiln or whatever, trying to reproduce this, um, trying to kind of see if they can, um, you know, reproduce this study, uh, which is pretty cool because I think most scientific, uh, quote unquote, breakthroughs or alleged breakthroughs, uh, it's not, there isn't so much immediate ability for someone to just go out and try it and see if they can replicate. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this whole story has been fascinating. Um, I've been following it off and on. Um, our good friend Chris Jordan has posted about it, and I've been following stuff on on uh, Tom's hardware as well. It's 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 really interesting because if big emphasis on the if <laughs> uh, if this is real, it would completely change the way so much of the world works. It's un unbelievable what it the potential for this but the likelihood is completely nonsense <laughs> yeah yeah especially because these scientists didn't really follow the procedure that you're normally seeing yeah. um but you know normal procedure but i think that also is part of what's made it interesting in a story is mm -hmm. there are people instead of the kind of normal sort of slow process of science like hey we're going to do this we're not going to show it to anybody until until we've proven it over and over again and you know we're not, not and you know you're going to wait years to find out like here you've got a really fast process of people try i mean supposedly they've been talking about this for a couple of years but since their paper came out they sort of said how to do it there's been how to make your own there's there's been a, just a lot of people trying to do it. So, I mean, it's interesting because if you see other things that people have worked on uh, scientifically recently and, you you know, I don't know, it just doesn't go out on the Internet or on places like that. I mean, I don't know how much knowledge sharing was going on when, say, uh, you know, uh, pharma companies were developing, uh, you know, mRNA vaccines to use for, mm -hmm. for COVID vaccines or whatever but like that was another area where you had something side you know major scientific product being worked on uh, supposedly really quickly but you didn't have them tweeting out like oh yeah so here's how you can make an mrna vaccine in your you know in your kitchen yeah to to try it right so it it's it's interesting because there was a there's a lot of people trying to replicate uh, the breakthrough who are able to attempt it um and you're seeing papers on um what's the name of that service rx or i don't know how to pronounce it rxvf or whatever where they have preprint science scientific papers just going up every day um so uh you know it's nice i don't know it's for me it's nice to see that there's something where you got a scientific community and people who are more lay people excited about a potential breakthrough and a lot of different people able to kind of participate in the process of scientific discovery, even if it's disproving something. And I know that like real scientists probably would disagree. They'd probably be like, hey, this this is embarrassing because these people came out with this. 
and it wasn't it was half baked or something and mm -hmm. they've got a lot of attention for themselves and it's turned out to not work uh i mean that's the general consensus at the moment yeah, yeah. it still could there's still a chance right um but i think it's been great that there's actually been something out there where they shared information as kind of open well it wasn't open enough because they kept some things themselves but theoretically open source about a scientific discovery and then people going out and trying to to replicate it uh it, i mean i think it would be cool if if more science happened that way where you could have a lot of people uh just trying really fast to try and replicate or or have new discoveries instead of kind of the normal slow uh hidden process yeah yeah for sure it's it's definitely been a change <laughs> um and i mean the results have not been um great uh and certainly inconsistent um in in what we've seen come back some of that inconsistency of course comes from uh other people possibly being interested in getting on the same bandwagon or whatever, uh, like like the 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 video that no this this wasn't real this was well, I'm gonna pull it down, right? There's some people trying to jump onto the onto the hype train, um, but you know, inconsistency is its own result, right? In studies, when you get if you do the study a couple of times and the results are inconsistent, that's usually a sign that the the study itself is bad. Um, and that might be what we've got here, that the inconsistency in the results could be that, you know, the whole the whole foundation is bad. But whatever it is, yeah. it's fascinating to watch. Yeah, it, it is. It is fascinating to watch. I always say we're in the business of interesting, not the business of not necessarily the business of good. This has been really interesting. Uh, and I hope that it inspires uh, more people to look for an actual superconductor that can operate at operate at room temperature. There have been apparently false uh, starts about this before, just as there has been false claim, you know, false starts about cold fusion, um, things like that. But you know, we. Uh, and it would be nice to see some kind of positive scientific breakthrough. I mean, what is the last big scientific breakthrough that you heard about where, wow, we really, you know, if I discover something new. Yeah. Everything seems kind of iterative. Mm-hmm. For quite a while. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, obviously, you were just showing us uh, articles. There must be tons of content out there on this from you yes yes so go to tomsnumber.com and look for our lk99 lk-99 articles of which we've got like five or six and now uh, we'll be doing more if uh, more happens i think we've reached a little bit of a slowdown and in the interest in this and the news coming out because a lot of disproving studies have happened and uh so i guess we've got to see if there's any more proving one things that would actually prove it um you know there have been simulations of course that say it should work but sure then uh that's neither here nor there so um we'll stay on top of this i mean we don't it's not something that we normally approach materials science 
but it was something that some, one of our writers said, hey, there's a lot of drama going on with this, and we thought we should do a story on it, and we did a story, and then we saw a lot of people were interested, so we did, we kept doing more stories, and they, people were interested for a while, and I think it's an interesting topic, and we'll see if more happens. For sure. Well, like you said, it's an interesting topic. I appreciate you bringing it up, because, uh, like I said, I've been trying to follow it, but not in detail and uh it really is an interesting story and uh the theory brings a lot of promise the reality does not appear to line up with the theory though so it'll be interesting to see if anything does eventually come out of this like you said with doping you know adding other stuff to it maybe perfecting the formula maybe someday maybe this does become the basis of something uh scientifically changing we will have to see and uh i look forward to uh, what we talk about next time week's Extra Life on F5 Live Refreshing Technology is proudly powered by EXA. EXA brings the latest technology to gamers, offering the most immersive products for the ultimate gaming experience. They've compiled the best elements of cutting-edge ENC tech, the latest in Bluetooth 5.0 and 7.1 surround, plus extra features into their headsets so everyone can enjoy a sensational gaming experience. And they've got headsets for Xbox, PlayStation, Switch, and PC. Plus, they won't break the bank. Learn more about the headsets that are available and any current promotions by going to f5live.tv slash exa. Speaking of gaming accessories, Netflix has one, kind of. Um, Netflix released to the App Store this week the Netflix Game Controller. Uh, it is a touchscreen controller that is intended to work with Netflix games. Now, if you're wondering how that's going to work, because Netflix games is a mobile product, not for long. Um, the company is going to be bringing the service to the big screen. Uh, all we know is two televisions. We don't entirely know what that means just yet. The, the little bit of information we have comes from a very sparse screen that pops up uh, on the application itself if you download it. And in the, uh, the application description, um, the description just says, Coming soon to Netflix, play games on your TV with a Netflix game controller. This game controller app pairs with your TV and allows you to play games on Netflix using your phone or mobile device. Now... Lots of holes here. Um, when they say TV, what do they mean? Do they mean the Netflix app on smart TVs specifically? Are we talking about over-the-top devices like Roku, Xbox, PlayStation? We don't know. That is literally all the information we have right now. Um, like I said, very sparse. Do not know uh, what to expect from this uh, when it comes out. In the application itself, it comes up and says that the service is in beta. 
um, and will be launching wider. The fact that they've moved the controller from a beta release, something like um, Microsoft App Center or you know uh, Apple Test Flight, they've moved from there into the App Store itself, suggests to me that it's coming soon. But that's based on very little evidence. Um, I think this was kind of inevitable. Um, I think that the idea of bringing the games off of just mobile and onto the big screen was something that was going to have to happen. Mobile gaming is a very specific category, and it seemed like Netflix wasn't interested in just that product category they they hired a you know a high profile executive to lead up the the content division the gaming content division um so they're putting a lot into this and there was no way it was ever going to stay mobile exclusive um i can't wait to see what this looks like the mobile the netflix games mobile for those who knew about it and have used it, has actually been a decent experience. Um, as good as it can be uh, with the restrictions from Apple in particular. Um, but it's, a, I mean, it's a solid experience. A variety of games. Big Stranger Things fan. Couple of titles in there. Um, I'm interested to see what they bring to the big screen. Yeah, I mean, I'd like to see... So, we're talking purely about the controller from your phone, right? Yes. Uh, and I know there's games that you can kind of play with your Roku remote, mm-hmm. sort of. I mean, you know, although they're not really very demanding, like Trivia... Uh, what was it called? I'm trying to remember the name of it. The Trivia game, I played it uh, on, my net, on my Netflix with Roku. Uh, or Cat Burglar. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, uh, it would be interesting to, if they actually gave you like, or do they even need to give you one? Just like, Hey, allow you to use Bluetooth or something and use a controller, an actual game controller to play some actual games, uh, via Netflix. I think, you know, so like sides, even, even if they're not necessarily like high, high end games, you know, give me a, give me a side scroller. Yeah. Uh, whatever um i think would be i think would be really cool um if you're netflix right now you're probably thinking we better kick this one into high gear because what else is going on in the entertainment industry right now yeah yeah two two strikes right two strikes because two strikes they don't all the streaming services not we're going to talk about this more later, right? Uh, raising their prices, yeah, but but not having, but our the the spigot of content is is coming to a halt. They don't like what they were spending on it anyway, yeah, on the content anyway. So, you know, what are they? What what can they do that is not uh, original drama? Oh, okay. Well, we can have reality shows. We can have sports. True we crime. Can have games. Yeah, I guess. I guess is that a reality show? I guess documentary. Yeah, right? documentary. Documentary. Yeah, I don't think it 
Prime and then action, but and then about, yeah games yeah yeah exactly right. so so and there's a lot of games that are already out there all but all they need to, to do is license them true what was the one that we were talking about the other day that they're licensing uh it was didn't we say there was one that was exclusive that that like somebody else had and it's going to exclusively be on netflix now mm. remember that am i yes. am I imagining that no i don't think you are i don't remember what it is while you pull it up just as a note so the controller itself y'all can see this the controller itself the screenshot in the app is weird this is from the app store the controller is strange and it's very clear that this is intended to be customizable per game because in the instructions when you open the game i'm going to pull up um to begin choose a game on your tv and follow the directions to connect so this connects to each game not to the game service which I find fascinating, uh, but it which suggests to me that the controller might change based on the game. So I can't wait to see how all this stuff works. Legitimately. Um, I'm a little upset, Netflix, if you're listening, I'm a little upset because I've been the, like, the only person talking positively about Netflix games lately. And I didn't get to try this out. Boo. <laughs> but uh but seriously no i i can't wait to see see what they they do with this i imagine they've got there's no doubt in my mind there's stranger things content coming to the big screen whether it be the the mobile game in a you know big screen format or new stuff as one of their you know their biggest ips um Honestly, I'd be a little disappointed if we don't see some sort of a Tiger King game on the TV. I don't know what it looks like because I don't know if they can actually pull off, you know, an 8-bit style video game where you, you know, kill tigers or whatever. <laughs> Weird guy. Um, but it's another big IP of theirs. They did a spinoff. Did you know they did a spinoff? Not just a second season, but a spinoff. Anyway, uh, I, I mean, I'd like to see, I mean, all these games are kind of mobile games and I, right. to me, mobile games kind of have a negative connotation. I don't, mm -hmm. you know, they see mobile games to me are like kind of, th I'm sorry. I know a lot of people love them. I mean, I have a bubble pop game that I play all the time. I, so I, I admit to using them, but like, I still have no respect for mobile games. Yeah, they, I understand. It's not even that the processing power is not enough or the graphics are not enough. It's that they always seem to be just a way to like extract money from you, you know, like, Hey, let, yeah, you know, let's try and get another $2 from you to do this or another $5 to do that or whatever. And so, uh, you know, I, I just, I don't, I have a very negative view of, of mobile games, which makes me really unexcited about, uh, these Netflix games that are really phone games. Now, if they were to do something where it was like, hey, here's like, you know, here's a game that you can play on your TV that you can play like, you know, could you get, I don't know, I guess I'm in the mood, but, you know, could, could they license 
vintage gaming libraries? Could you play Atari on there? Like, almost. I mean, it, it'll all come down to what's available for license. But yeah, for sure. I I imagine they're going to do that. But there's also going to be original content. They brought in, uh, they they brought in a writer from Halo. Apparently, we're not gonna. Cortana's not that dead yet. We're gonna continue talking about the franchise. Um, they brought in a writer from Halo to oversee the the creative division of gaming. So they're yeah. obviously planning on doing original content and not small stuff. You don't bring in a heavy hitter from, you know, one of the best known franchises in gaming to oversee a department that's putting out, you know, shallow mobile games. Because I think that's that was kind of your point, right? Mobile games tend to be shallow. There's not often a lot of depth to them. Um, yes. And, and when you translate into the big screen, you generally can't keep the shallowness. You either have to have deep gameplay, deep, deep story, or both. Um, and mobile games aren't known for either of those things. Uh, unless it's a mobile yeah. port of a regular game, you know. Fortnite Mobile has the same depth in gameplay that Fortnite has. But you know what I mean. Um, yeah. Mobile games don't tend to have that depth either of gameplay or of, of uh, story because they're generally games that you play to waste time, right? 2048 is not a, a deep gameplay game. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so with this, they're definitely going for original content. They're going for some, some deep stuff. I look forward to seeing uh, what, what they come out with. Hopefully it's not just going to be the mobile games on the, on the screen. Hopefully they'll have some good content. I assume... Because when they launched it on the mobile, they launched it with licensed content. I imagine they will do the same thing with the TV. My guess is everything that was licensed for Stadia uh, was up for uh, contract negotiations. Just putting it out there. <laughs> but uh, yeah. we, will, we will definitely see probably pretty soon. Because again, the app's in the public storefront now. Which changes uh, where we are with this. My guess is we will probably see this sooner than later. This week's news from the tubes on F5 Live Refreshing Technology is proudly powered by Malwarebytes. Whether you use a PC, a Mac, or a mobile device, Malwarebytes Premium is the company's strongest protection ever. It fights threats that traditional antivirus software can't stop, plus it actively blocks threats like worms, rogues, dialers, trojans, spyware, and a whole lot more. It allows you to use your computer and mobile devices with confidence and peace of mind. To learn more and to get a special price, you can go to f5live.tv slash malwarebytes. This is going to be Avram's favorite topic of the night. And I say that with complete sarcasm. Um, uh, we've talked a lot about AI. Definitely go back and check out um, some of our, our past Pilchpoint episodes. Talking about some of the dangers um, to both consumers and to um, publishers and uh, creators around AI. But one of the things that has kept 
that danger at bay has been the fact that things like ChatGPT, the information is older. Um, the, the information that it has that it draws on is, you know, cordoned off to a time period. After that time period, it doesn't really gain new information. And so, you know, writing, writing about, <laughs> uh, modern content, spe speaking of, uh, digital assistants earlier on, um, you know, writing, which is not really what they do, uh, about breaking news and things like that has not been effective or really possible because they don't know about it. Um, that might be about to come to an end. Uh, chat GPT has a thing coming called GPT bot which is their version of a web crawler. Now, web crawler is what generally the uh, search engines use to go crawl the internet, to get information, to index, to bring search results to you. Um, ChatGPT now has one, uh, and it sounds like it's going to be rolling out soon if it's not already out there running. And publishers are panicking. Understandably, um, I am one of them. Uh, about what to do about this. Um, there's a couple of ways to go. One, let it happen. It's going to happen, let it happen. Two, is to block, figure out a way to block the, the bot from accessing your website. Then there's the way that I'm leaning, which is to sabotage it a little bit uh, and feed it weird data. See if I can... Uh, affect the results a little bit. Uh, but that's me. Um, so I don't know which way people are going, but uh, OpenAI that runs ChatGPT did put out the information about the bot, about the uh, web crawler, and uh, that includes the user agent string that it will be using which is how publishers are going to try and defend themselves against this. So, definitely an interesting one, Abram. So, um, I just on Friday published an article about... Uh, now, primarily I was talking about Google because Google, what Google is doing is of greater concern to me and yeah. I think should be of greater concern to publishers than what OpenAI is doing. But the principles of, of the problem are the same. Now, I guess I should say, why am I more concerned about Google than OpenAI? Because OpenAI is actually getting more attention for what it's doing, right? ChatGPT was the yeah. original, original, uh, you know, newsmaker. source that people newsmaker here. But what we're really talking about is the problem for anyone who publishes anything, right? Like, let's not just say it's media companies. Let's say it's anyone who publishes anything on the yeah. internet. You go and you you publish for write a forum post. Yep. You get answer somebody's question on Stack Overflow or whatever. Like all of those things are being sucked up by these AIs and spat out in the voice of the AI, uh, so that you no longer get credit or traffic or anything for what you do. So even if you are writing, you know answers to people on Quora 
just because you're a nice person out of the kindness of your heart going and answering people's questions if nobody sees what you wrote but it's just being used to feed an ai to that is designed to prevent people from reading your words like why would you do it yeah like, why would you know why would you do it um i mean i've had some people say oh i don't publish things on a forum or whatever to to be famous yeah but i mean like if everything's being just sucked up and spat out by an ai like why would you live just to do why would you give your labor either uh for free or for uh, uh you know trying to make a profit if it's just going to be sucked up by a bot and google is a bigger immediate threat to anybody who publishes things because Google is where 91 to 94% of web searches take place. Yeah. So the fact that Google is going to roll out uh, its search generative experience and put it on top of the search results that people are already using, right? I think is a bigger threat than people going to OpenAI to ChatGPT to get this information. Yeah. Um, by the way, Bing isn't Bing Chat already doing this? And Bing Chat is using GPT-4, right? So 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 isn't so uh bing chat is adding its index into the the training for its own instance of gpt um so because there's new stuff in there yeah true right so i mean that's inevitable what we have to do what everybody has to do. So here, here's something that you didn't mention because it was a Google thing, but it's very relevant to open AI and to quick, this situation. Quick question. What were the, the letters? Something, something 99? Uh, LK-99. Thank you. You want to see if LK-99 is in big chat? Yep. Yeah, because it wouldn't be if it was only 20, 20, 21. Yeah. I promise you it has had stuff in there from articles that we have published in the last two years in Bing Chat. So Bing Chat is already doing what what ChatGPT's crawler uh, says that they're going to do or is doing. In t- so in 2023, they published reprint, uh, preprints claiming that it acts as a room temperature semiconductor. Right. So so there, I, I don't see this as actually that remarkable because ChatGPT is just achieving sort of parity with Bing and Google, which are already yeah. doing this kind of real-time crawling. Uh, and the problem is the same for publishers is the same all over the place, which is how do we stop uh, these companies from stealing our work yeah. and using it against us? And uh, everybody should be concerned about that, whether you're in the publishing industry or not. And uh, one thing that so Google last week made a statement to the Australian government, which did you hear about this, Scott? What Google said to the Australian uh, authorities? I saw something about it. I don't remember what they said though. It was bonkers. So my there... so my article on Friday was about that, uh, but it really could apply equally to ChatGPT, which is uh, Google said that they would like to see. Uh, the definition of fair use. They didn't say it in this many yeah. words. This is something like 
we like to see fair, you know, support a copyright system that supports this as fair use. So they want to, they want scraping content for AI training to be considered fair use, legally speaking. And I think uh, they use that some, term too, scraping content yes, or they scraping did. the web. Yeah. So um, now, so Google said that, um, but there have been other folks, including a professor I interviewed named Matthew Sag, who says that uh, AI scraping is already fair use under the current fair use doctrine. Uh, there's, I have a really long detailed article about this uh, on Tom's Hardware right now about Google uh, saying that they want it to be fair use and uh, ChatGPT, uh, you know, OpenAI, I'm sure is will, will make the same claim uh, when uh, in the various lawsuits in which they are being sued right now for AI scraping. Uh, so um, obviously there's the question of whether it is legal, whether the laws are, they want, obviously Google wants a law to change in its favor. Uh, some of us might want the law to change the opposite way to make it really clear that it's not fair use. Uh, I think, I don't, personally, I think that the legislative uh, solutions will probably be too slow. And what we'll see is uh, judiciary so, uh, solutions, like what precedents will courts set uh, for whether or not AI scraping is is fair use. Um, now, obviously, company uh, one thing that Google suggested in its uh, note to uh, the Australian government, and they suggested this in a public blog post a month ago, is that they have a way uh, for the industry come up with something like the robots.txt file, or maybe it is the robot.txt file, to to say, don't use my data for training. Mm -hmm. They want the training data uh, situation to be an opt out for uh, for web people who run websites. Uh, and so they want they want to have a standard where you can opt out. Now, I've spoken to some to some lawyers, including Matthew Butterick, who is the one of the lead counsels who is suing OpenAI uh in several he's one of the lead counsels in several of the lawsuits including the sarah silverman lawsuit mm. and uh the one where uh, a couple of novelists are suing uh are suing uh open ai and the one where uh there were some folks uh suing stable diffusion he was on that and uh, github lawsuit anyway oh. so he said that he thinks opt out and i i agree with him is contrary to everything in copyright law. Mm -hmm. There's not a situation right now where uh, companies who are own intellectual property have to opt out of every instance of it possibly being appropriate, right? right? Like, imagine this scenario. I go to the bank and behind one of the teller windows, I see a wad of cash uh, and no one is, is guarding it. So I grab the cash from behind the wa the wad of bills mm -hmm. and I start walking out of the bank and then some police stop me and arrest me uh, for stealing. And I say, oh, no, 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 it's fine. It's fine. Uh, there was no sign up at the bank and there was nobody there who said that I couldn't take the money. Right. Nobody told me not, explicitly told me not to. So therefore I'm entitled to take this. Right. That is the logic that Google and OpenAI are using, and 
are, are using is, hey, we can steal your stuff. We can use it as we wish. Uh, and we think it should be, if it's not already for sure legal for us to do this. But, you know, we'll throw you a little bone, which is we'll come up with a way for you to exclude, to go in and uh, exclude yourself right. from the training data. Yeah, I think which is there's insane. a couple. Aside from the obvious point here about, well, you know, it, it puts the onus on the copyright holder. You might say somebody I know someone will say this. Oh, what? How big of a deal is it really to modify? Let's say it's just putting a line in your a no train line or something in your robots text file. Okay, let's say that that's the case and that a lot a lot of people, but not everybody's going to do that. Mm -hmm. What? What's well, the not same, clear at all? The same argument can be made. How hard is it to grab a sharpie and go right on your front window? You're not allowed to steal my money. Right. It's not it's not that difficult, but it shouldn't be required. Right. So so yeah. Both both true. The other thing though is what we don't really know is what the disadvantages are of opting out of training and what the uh, whether that what that means for data that's already been sucked in. So so like let's say let's say tomorrow they come out with a standard and both OpenAI and Remember, companies, by the way, don't like, I don't think there's the robot text file is legally binding, right? It's a industry standard. So right. a company could ignore a it. company could unethically scrape stuff and you'd have a hard time knowing it. But mm -hmm. let's say that these larger companies, because they're public companies and a, there's probably, you know, if there's a law, presumably they're going to follow it. Although we know companies break the law all the time. But anyway, let's let's say for a second that they that they respect it going forward. Sure. So first of all, what about all the data that they've grabbed up until now? If I put that in my robot text, are they going to go back into their training data and untrain it on uh -huh. all of the stuff right. on my website? Uh, am I going to if I want them to remove it? Am I going to have to go and file a removal request for, for things like? For each URL, for each provider, for each, do I have to go to OpenAI and Bing and Google and anybody else and say right. and ask them to remove it? Are they obligated to do that right. to remove it, or is it only from now on? the uh, The other th question is, what is this going to do to me, especially in the case of Google, in terms of my rank in Google search? Mm -hmm. Are they going to penalize me right. by not ranking me in Google search if I block their their training data? Uh, what does it mean to not be linked in SGE? Like SGE, search generative experience, which is the thing that they're putting on top of search. I think a lot of companies will not opt out because it's a they might get some clicks from it. And if it's, they and if that is the only thing that you that's going, then yeah. you maybe you're in a worse position saying no than saying yes. It's the answer box on steroids. Right. But the thing is that a lot of people were, I, I really like, I don't love the answer box, but the answer box is very different than what Google SGE is because mm -hmm. what Google SGE is, Google search generative experiences is, is it's speaking in Google's voice mm -hmm. and it's not really linking back to the sources. It's sort of linking back to related sites and they recently added some other level of linkage that's actually 
like the scariest thing is that these companies think that they're being doing a solid to publishers when they're actually just rubbing it in your face by making it worse. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah, for sure. You know, so if you go, it's, if you go to like, one sec, let me share, share this just so you can see like, and, and this is relevant, directly relevant to this topic because what Google is doing is what open AI is doing. Right. So, mm-hmm. Uh, let's say, for example, I, I ask it for best CPU. You're going to see the Google search generative experience, right? So it, it takes a second, but they're speeding this up, so we shouldn't assume that that's going to stop it, right? Okay, so now here's your SGE experience. You can see that my uh, Google actual search results are not even on the first screen. i got to scroll down a long way to see that the best CPUs uh, from Tom's hardware is number one. So that's going to have an extremely negative effect on people who are in the search results. And a lot of companies, real most publishers or anybody, uh, rely on Google as their number one, as a top means of uh, distribution. Now, Google said, wow, well, that's okay, we'll link to you. Okay, first of all, they don't choose the most relevant stuff for links, right, for SGE. Uh, their their number one of their top sources is MacPaw, okay. MacPaw does not even rank in the top like thirty for best CPU because that's not this isn't what people want when they're searching for best CPU, right? Uh, nor is smallbusiness.cron.com like why why should that rank there rather than say uh, PC Mag or Tom's Hardware or PC World? For somebody who's actually known for doing this kind of work, uh, a few weeks ago they uh, they added this little question, you know, print, um, quotation mark thing, and some people said, "Oh wow, they're giving us links. It's so generous of them." Because now, if you click on this, you 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 have to click this, and then you see these, and then you can click them, as if that was like, "Wow, they're really being generous, putting some links Oof. in there." Thanks, buddy. You gotta. I, you got to, first of all, they sort of had this before. And now if you click this, then you click this, then you'll get transported to it. But it's not at all clear that this is a citation for this. Like it uh-huh. could be any of these things. And, um, and like, there's no, you know, article title. So I don't know what I'm getting when I click this. Right. And right. who's going to do that? So like, so, but my point about the opt in opt out is there's going to be some folks who say, oh, if I opt out, there's no way I'm going to show up here or show up in this little tiny, you know, one yeah. person out of a billion clicks it uh, thing. Uh, so, you know, I guess I better opt in because I guess I, better, I guess I better stay in because otherwise all this real estate at the top of the page, I don't get to play here. So, um so it's kind of a catch 22 right because you want traffic and a lot of publishers will be like well even if they give me like you know one percent of the traffic that they gave me before um i guess that one percent is better than zero but uh if everybody opted out uh or the or coincidentally if they had to opt in and opt out was the default behavior then OpenAI and Google would have to change their behavior because they wouldn't have any of this. They couldn't do it. They couldn't do it without you. 
now what they're what they're effectively saying is oh hey you want to opt out that's fine i got some other garbage websites that are willing to opt in in your place yeah. somebody's gonna get this crappy link out up here in the top corner maybe they'll only get five clicks where they used to get thousands but hey somebody's gonna claim those five clicks don't you want it to be you so yeah. um so uh i mean they'd have a more compelling argument if they actually use the quality sites there it seems that google sge what they consider to be good content and what google search considers to be good content are completely different things right. and uh sge has terrible taste and picks irrelevant outdated uh biased sources too right like you know and they'll steer steer you to the opinion from a like a store right like they right. you know the a medical opinion they'll steer you to the opinion from like uh you know the health insurance company or something sure. not the medical association so like um so i think i guess my point here is like opt opt out is going to be a problem because other not everyone will opt out so somebody's going to get the very minimal amount of linkage that they give. Uh, in the case of ChatGPT right now, it gives nothing, nothing, no links. So there's no incentive uh, not to opt out. But for Bing and for Google, um, you know, that's the catch twenty two. And if ChatGPT put a couple, a, a couple of really low quality, you know, low visibility links in there, we'd have the same conversation about them they think they all think that the web is their personal playground and they can take whatever they want from it and by the way we've also seen them take things from sites that are behind a paywall so so you know just because you think i mean they 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 wouldn't let a little thing like your paywall stop them you know they will give answers from behind a pay that for things that are behind the paywall if you click the link you will get hit as a reader will get hit with the paywall but they're perfectly happy to take data that's train themselves from behind the paywall um, because you know google and all those folks they get the full text of of the content that's behind paywalls because right. people who run paywall businesses want their content to be found in google they want right. people to click on it and then say hey i better subscribe to this so um really uh i mean i think publish i mean if it were up to me uh first of all um, more people should file lawsuits uh, to test in court whether this really is fair use or not. Um, and I think um, more publishers should be uh, looking for ways, like if enough publishers blocked them, uh, then they might take notice. You know, it's it can't just be me, though, right? It can't just be a couple of companies. Right. It has to be a lot of people. If it were opt-in, then it would. Then, then you'd be talking about who wants to opt-in. Yeah. Oh, you want me to opt in? Then you got to pay me. Um, we are seeing that some companies are going out and negotiating uh, deals with, uh, you know, with the likes of OpenAI to pay them for their their content. Um, so, uh, you know, maybe that will be a thing. Will the amount that they pay for it be sufficient to offset the massive? Right. Uh, revenue losses we'll have to see yeah yeah for sure um on, on the topic of uh bing's uh up-to-date relevance 
I asked it, what does Tom's hardware say about LK99? And it, yeah. it gave me several sentences with three different articles. Right. So, as I said, I don't, I don't feel like, I mean, for the people who are going to, uh, you know, the chat, the OpenAI's website and using that as their client experience, then, you know, we should block, you know, I, I saw a thing about how you can actually block their crawler and robots text. And I forwarded it to the head of IT at my company, and yeah. uh, we'll see if they decide to block it. Sure. But, um, but you know, that is just one little finger in the dam. The question really is, are we going to have an opt-out standard, and what is that going to mean for the people who opt out? Yeah, for sure. It's a, it's a big topic, There's, and it's a bit of a moving target because the technology is so new and we don't know at all what we're up against. So we'll definitely continue following it because uh, it affects all of us in one way or another. So, you know, keep following. We'll see what happens next. This week's DRM Not Included in F5 Live Refreshing Technology is proudly powered by Amazon Prime. We all know that you get free shipping on millions of products with Amazon Prime, but you get a whole lot more. Like free music with Amazon Prime Music, free TV, movies, and documentaries with Amazon Prime Video, free games and a free Twitch subscription to support the content creator of your choice with Amazon Prime Gaming, plus a whole lot more. We've got links to all of these features and some of our favorites, plus a 30-day free trial, all by going to f5live.tv slash prime. I'm going to go back in time here for a little bit. Stick with me. When cable first came out, a promise was made that it was you were going to be paying for something different than over-the-air television. The primary difference in addition to lots more choice, because it could be national stuff, uh, in addition to lots more choice, you were going to be paying and not getting ads. It wasn't long into uh, cable's existence before that changed, and uh, networks started adding ads into their broadcasts. Uh, shows got shorter, ads got longer, um, and just like broadcast television, cable is generally about 22 minutes of content for a 30-minute show. Now, let's skip forward a couple decades. When the streaming services started, a promise was made that they were going to be a less expensive way of accessing new content without ads. Hasn't been long since Netflix went from DVD to, to streaming, and in that time, now all of the services, including Netflix, have ads. Now, with cable, as the ads came, so did a significant increase, not decrease, in the price of the service. As ad-supported tiers have been added to the streaming services, the price of the services have gone up, not down. Uh, this week, uh, Disney 
has added a price increase to their streaming services. Uh, Disney Plus is going from $11 to $14 a month. Hulu, without ads, is going from $14 to $18 a month. And if you combine them together, it will be $20 a month, which in general, if you look at the current prices, that is actually a really great deal. 18 plus 2 instead of 18 plus 14. The, the bundle is definitely the way to go, especially if you have both. But if you combine the prices of Hulu without ads and Disney Plus without ads 12 months ago, if you paid for them separately, they were still only, I think, $2 more than the new deal is. That's how much they've gone up. This is the second time that both of these brands have increased their prices in the last 12 months. They're far from alone. Netflix, HBO Max slash Max, Paramount Plus, uh, every, uh, Peacock, everybody's prices have gone up. And what have we gotten for that? Less content. The thing that I find really interesting with this is the ad-supported tiers for Disney Plus and Hulu aren't changing prices. So what's going on here? Is Disney trying to drive us to the ad-supported thing? Is that making them more money? Are they hoping people will bundle the two services together? Are they just throwing spaghetti at the wall and hoping something sticks? I, I don't know, Avram. This... They're putting themselves into a... My theory. Uh, not of their motives, but of what's happening. They're putting themselves into a position to lose subscribers. Because with the, all these price increases across the board, people are going to have to start making decisions uh, about what services they want. Because this is a cable subscription now. It didn't used to be. With a couple of services and a couple of subscriptions, you were still at like half the price of cable and you got to choose what you wanted. This is a full cable subscription or more these days. They're going to start losing subscribers. Disney Plus already is. They've lost a ton of subscribers uh, in this last quarter. Partially because India lost uh, Indian cricket. But that doesn't account for the huge number that they lost. Netflix, in the last, what, year and a half, saw its first ever subscriber loss. We know Paramount Plus has lost subscribers. We think that HBO Max lost subscribers, but they were also lying about the number of subscribers in the beginning under AT&T. So, you know, all of that's a little fuzzy. Um, so everybody's losing subscribers. Are they heading in the wrong direction? Are they making a mistake? Are they actually going to cut their revenue by doing this? Oh, also we see the business with the password sharing, right? Mm -hmm. That's another way to, that's been another way to like drum revenue, right? And D Disney's Disney has joined that. that now too. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, people are going to have to, st I mean, it is, it's, it's become like cable now, right? Mm -hmm. It's become exactly like cable, but who, but why wouldn't it have been? I mean, it's cable without the cable. It's cable without the cable company. Yeah. Right. So, 
it's kind of so, the a la carte cable that we all always wanted. Yeah, yeah, kind, yeah, kind of. Except ish, except that, um, except that it still doesn't do that for live TV. So right. if you want live TV, you gotta get. There's only like a couple of choices. Yeah, uh, which I now have YouTube TV, mm-hmm. and um, my parents do too. Know, so, so. Right. So that and that went up in price and that's mm-hmm. effectively like your general cable. Yep. And then we have like we, we need to get rid of some stuff. I tell you right now, we're going to have to get rid of some stuff. Yeah. Uh, you know, we have too many streaming services we, and it's not worth it. Um, yeah. And and it's hard to say, like, I mean, I have to. You know, I'm going to have to talk to my you know, to my wife about it because she has a lot of services that she likes, and then I have ones that I use, and yeah. so we have to figure out like, like what are what will what will we keep? Like, honestly, uh, honestly for me, I think Netflix could go. Um, every now and again, they have something that I want. Mm-hmm. Um, so is that every now and again monthly? It's hard to say, right? Um, I mean, I guess, right? Yeah. Uh, I I used to get a lot out of uh, BritBox, but they seem to be adding new content like once a year now. Like they're mm. really not become stingy. About, I mean, I had like one, two things a month or something. Yeah. Where it used to be just a lot of content. And considering they don't have to mostly don't make their own content, like it's really cheap. Uh, but there are no new shows coming out in England anymore. I don't know. So, um, um, uh, eight out of ten cats does countdown just came back, like for the first time in ages, over there. So I mean, like none of my, none of my British TV has had new episodes in quite right. a while. Yeah. So anyway, consequently, it's right. I I mean, I got that, and my mother watches it, and I watch it, and we haven't really watched very much of it lately. So that that could go, you know. Part of the thing is that these are like not monthlies, but they're annuals. So we have to figure out, oh, what when are we going to drop them, right? Like, yeah. uh, like, like I really was thinking of dropping Acorn, which is like another sort of British Australian mm-hmm. uh, streaming service, and I had bought it for a year, and it wasn't bad when I bought it for a year. The first time was like fifty nine dollars for the year, um, but. You know, I haven't watched anything on there in like five months because they, yeah. they almost never add anything. Um, so, so my, you know, we're gonna have to get rid of get rid of those, right? Like, I mean, there's just we got to get rid of more stuff yeah. and decide what is worth keeping. I mean, dis we might have to keep Disney because Disney actually like as much as as annoying as it is, there's stuff on there that we want although not as much i mean like really it's that like one one marvel or star wars show and showing occasionally showing the kids a cartoon but Mm -hmm. not necessarily that often uh you know max for sure we could i mean i was just watching something on there yesterday but we could we could toss that yeah i mean there paramount is one it's one of the few i don't have I don't have Max. Yeah. I've never had Max. 
Um, I yeah. almost signed up for the year uh, during the name change where they gave the discount. I'm like, yeah, but I don't think there's anything on there I care about. So I now. had Max because I had cable HBO, mm -hmm. and then I got rid of cable, and now I should admit this, but we're, I'm using my mom's Max from her cable, but she just changed her cable, so that's going to go away, I think. Mm. Um, uh, I mean, there's a couple of okay things. The funny thing is sometimes the best stuff is actually on the free channels. Yeah. Right? Like sometimes you're like, oh, actually, Tubi has something I really want to see. I watched Rat Race or, on there the other night. I think it was on there. Or 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 uh or Pluto or Freebie or whatever. Like uh -huh. there's a lot of stuff on those. And sometimes they have things on there that you don't that you can't actually find most other places. So like Rat Race TV recently No not Tubi, I'm sorry, Pluto recently added a Godzilla channel. Oh right? nice. And and where they live play Godzilla movies all day. But besides that, you can actually just... The fact that they're live playing is sort of irrelevant because anything that they have on there, you could just want, you could just choose to watch on demand. Mm -hmm. Now you have to sit, have some commercials while you're watching, but, you know, there you have it. So um, I'm, I'm willing, and that, that kind of gets back to the topic of, you know, streaming becoming cable. I'm willing to watch the ads... On a free streaming service, I'm not really, yeah. I'm not really willing to watch the ads on a paid streaming service unless, for whatever reason, I'm getting it for free. Um, right? Yeah, it's like it's... if you happen to be a a Walmart Plus subscriber and you get Paramount Plus ad supported for free, okay, I can deal with the ads in that case. But if I'm putting money specifically into it, no, no, we're gonna have a fight about that. Right. Yeah. Uh, well, look, I mean, everything is a, is a factor in, in, in money, right? Like yeah. the, my, my mother went to the movies the other day for the first time in a few years and she came back with a slew of complaints, which is kind of funny, uh, which were kind of funny to me. She said, I can't believe how many ads they have at the movies. <laughs> right. Because now when you go to i mean to be fair i don't go to the movies that much and every time i go i'm like you're right there's like there's like half an hour of ads on there yeah. and she um and that's if you get there before it actually quote unquote starts and then it starts and then you get previews trailers for like yeah a long time <laughs> trailers for a long time but you got like so many ads and my mother is like i can't believe how many ads there were you're paying to get in you get all these ads mm -hmm. but the funniest part was she complained that it was too loud i said to her but you can't hear so don't aren't don't you appreciate how loud it is she feature not a bug feature not a bug for you, for you that would be a feature right like because she can't hear very well uh... and she doesn't use she refuses to use her hearing aid so um so uh, anyway, That's funny. right. So, so I, I get, I get what you're saying. It is, but I guess that's the way of the world. There's ads on everything, even things yeah. that you pay for. Uh, I mean, I think some, I think some movies in the theater should be free with ads. I've said this for, for decades now. I think some movies that are just ch chatty movies that not a lot of people want to see 
they should they should make it free with they should make it free with ads sure like make money off of the off of the concessions and off of the advertising and 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 be done like they could have a lot more people in the theater for some of the movies that are like that have been there for a while people don't really want to see kind of whatever but hey you know they see it see i guess it works for them i guess it works for the movie theater to do it that way and i guess it works for the streaming services to say hey we can hit you with ads and ask for money yeah yeah because people will i mean it it's a revenue mix right and i understand like if you were in a business you understand that like you often can't get all of the uh you know you often can't get all of the the money you want from from one thing right so so i mean i get it it is it is a little bit perturbing that you pay for stuff and also ads but hey you pay for tickets to go to a concert and yet they have all these ads up all over the concert venue uh, for whoever owns the gaming right to the stadium true or true you go to baseball game and they have ads all over the outfield you paid a ton of money to get in like although at least those type of ads usually don't waste your time but like, sure sure like you're because they're concurrent right whereas now you're right like you know that's time of your life you'll never have again you're you're sort of either you pay with your attention or you pay with your money yeah right yeah and and on the back you know on the back end of your life that last moment of your life when your life is is flashing before your eyes you'll have all those commercials in the flash yeah, um, and that that like six weeks where Hulu showed me nothing but vodka ads. Yeah, they, I mean they one hundred percent had me targeted. Somebody who doesn't drink at all, they had me all figured out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the funniest thing is that my 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 son has this theory of ads, which is that they they shouldn't they should know when you own something and not show it to you as an ad. And I keep explaining to him that I don't think that's preferable. Like I'd rather they show me something I already bought and not know that I own it than know yeah. my business. But 100%. he's like, Oh, but I, or I already have that game. Why is it showing me the ad for it or whatever? I already saw that thing. Why is it showing me the ad for it? Shouldn't it put something in your browser or your device to say you, I mean, to be fair, it is a little weird. He, you know, like, for example, if you're playing a game and it gives you an ad for another game or something, he's like, shouldn't it know you have that other game installed and not show you an ad for it or something? And I say, no, I don't really want it to know what I have installed, so yeah. that's fine. But, you know, his... No, thank you. That's his That's his take on his take on ads is that they should actually be more intrusive to be more helpful. Which is, sure. you know, an advertising agency type of take. Like, hey, if we knew everything <laughs> about you, we could really help you out here by only showing you ads we care about. I mean, hey, right? I mean, the- how about? No, 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 no. I'm good. I mean, it, it's funny also that it, but it is funny also that they'll show you ads for something as like related when you just bought 
like Amazon or something, you just bought a something yeah. that you only need one of, and it will keep saying, "Hey, would you like this? Would you like?" No, listen, I already bought bought one motherboard. I'm not building lots of different computers. Yeah, exactly. But, but I see you were looking. It, I, I see you were looking at hard drives. Here are six dozen more. Yeah, but did you see that I also made the purchase on the hard drive? I'm done. The, it's not it's not Coca-Cola. This this isn't right. a thing that I'm going to order on on the regular. I mean, that's that's something that they really that advertisers could like an something like that Amazon knows what you bought, right? Yeah. But 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 other stuff like they don't know, I don't want them to know what I bought. No. So if they keep advertising me stuff that I already bought, well, it's fine. Okay. That's fine. Whatever. Thank you for showing me a picture of it. Make me feel good about how, whatever. But yeah, I mean, so unless you're unhappy adds, with your purchase, in which case it just uh, adds anger. It just rubs it in. <laughs> just rubs it in. Hey, don't for forget you. you bought this thing. Uh, bought that piece of garbage. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, 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 I mean, I don't know what to say. It's just the price keeps going up. People are are going to have to cancel. They are going to have to, they are going to see more churn. And this is pretty, I mean, I'm sure they were planning it before, but I have to say this is a really big, uh, I don't know, slap in the face to subscribers at the same time that you're telling everyone that you can't afford to pay for new content. You're yeah. cutting the amount of content that's available. You're canceling shows and you won't negotiate with uh, or give reasonable payments to um, you know, to the writers and actors who make the content, but Hey, why don't you give us more money for the fact that we're not going to have the content. Also, there's a really good argument to be made that people should, should, should stop or suspend, um, their streaming starting in a couple of months because the pipeline is going to be dry for a while. I'm not sure exactly when the cutover date is for the pipeline going dry mm -hmm. but it'll be be going dry i mean things yeah. that we um do you watch strange new worlds on paramount plus mm -hmm. yeah. so did you are you caught up with mm -hmm. the with the latest one so the the i'm not gonna spoil this for the audience except to say that the end of the season ended on a cliffhanger right and you you might think you're going to wait a year to know what happens, but you might wait two years yeah. to know what happens yeah. at this point. It could be, it could be the Orville. Right. Right. It could be like 2025 before you find out, you know, what happens uh, before the cliffhanger is hope hopefully resolved. Yeah. So, so like, you know, if you know, it's not going to be coming back, like, maybe you should just cancel it for a while it's, it's a lot easier yep. to cancel or suspend these services than it is to cancel or suspend cable yeah right i think yeah. they at least made it easier for you to leave and come back so like we they, they've given us a nice and i have to say they've given us all a nice incentive to leave uh, i mean i will say this and you know the company, if the if the content pipeline you know, comes to an end and then subscribers start to drop off. It 
might be helpful in negotiations if they haven't uh, if they haven't gotten anywhere by the time that comes together. Because in two thousand eight, I mean, they were shut down forever. Yeah, well, they're gonna have to. It's gonna have to. It would have to be a while because you said then the, the money, the amounts going up when in October or something. For Disney. Yeah, or is it now? Um, I think it's soon. Uh, trying to remember. Um, they announced it on the ninth. Uh, I don't know. It's it might be September. Uh, all right. Well, yeah, maybe just a few more weeks. I mean, but the the pipeline's not uh, not totally dried right. out yet. I mean, Disney, for example, Ahsoka is is about to start, so they've got a few weeks of that, um, of that going on. So. They're not totally like Paramount yeah, Plus. You're right. October 12th. Right. So it's going to be a few months, I think, before we see the complete effects of the content. Uh, I, like right now, it's not very apparent. Uh, come October, November with, uh, with network television, it's going to be apparent because I don't yeah. think anybody's filmed anything for... Yeah. For the fall uh, season, I so it. no law and order for me <laughs> until uh, until this is resolved, right? No, yeah. um, whatever. I mean, I guess if you like NCIS, you could just watch any episode and pretend that it's new because it's probably the same thing. Yeah, exactly. Um, but uh, but never, but nevertheless, it's um, yeah, they're gonna have. The pipeline is, is it's the worst possible time for them to raise the rates on people. Yeah. Um, but because it's it's very they're all going to bump into each other. The rate increase yeah. and the the pipeline are going to happen pretty close together. And yeah. that's not going to be it's good for anybody. Time. It's a bad time for that. I think they're all trying to impress some investors, you know, Unfortunately, the incentive for a lot of executives is to uh, go quarter to quarter and try to impress people for this quarter and not think ahead to the next quarter or the quarter after yeah. or the year after. Um, and so they're engaged in very short term thinking about this. And so they don't So hey, we're going to raise some revenue. Um, but I think this is going to have a deleterious effect over time. I mean, the companies that feel like they they can stay in the game because their ip is so valuable uh may be okay i think the ones that are kind of on the fringe right now like paramount uh mm -hmm. may this may get get worse for them yeah and i would be sorry to see that because um paramount, like paramount shedding Plus. content right now yeah right yeah uh so i'm very uh very concerned about about Paramount and yeah. their uh, Star Trek content. They yeah. did make a very interesting statement to investors the other day, which is that they said 
something like we need to we're we need to sur- super serve some audiences and we're um and we're not serving them enough or we're serving them i think we're serving that like in other words something about like we have a certain number of franchises that people care about like star trek mm-hmm. and a couple right. of others and we better make sure that like the people who want those have always have something on like every month have okay. some new stuff right but not two new things at once we better we better not give them too much at once right but we better give them enough so that we don't give them a reason to chart a reason to churn sure and we really want to concentrate other people who want these franchises and nothing and nothing else so like if you like star trek i think we're going to try to keep giving you some minimal amount of content at least every month but if you liked uh i don't know some other show that we're doing that's not really related then uh, that might have to go qq sad story yeah yeah so anyway it's gonna be an interesting like 12 months in the streaming world i think you're right i think we're gonna see some people panic uh like services we might see some additional mergers or partnerships or something like that and i think the next 12 months are going to be really wild in that industry um and there's no telling what will happen yeah well that is our show thank you to those of you who joined us live if you joined us over on kick and are still there right now do me a favor and hit subscribe or uh, hit follow for me um appreciate the people who already have uh had a pretty good activity feed over there tonight if you're not if you have a kick subscribe uh a kick account and you haven't um followed us over there please do it'll help us be able to get to the uh subscription uh capability uh, if you're not, no worries. Um, uh, we've still got a lot of content coming out. I still have a box of product, including new product since the last time we talked. Uh, so lots of reviews and things coming. Uh, so keep an eye out for that. Um, yeah, lots of stuff over the next couple months. Pretty exciting. Um, and I guess with that, on behalf of the staff that's not here, I'm Scott. I'm Abram. And we'll see you back next time. Ciao.